Thank you guys, and thank you so much for being here on this Labor Day weekend. We know that a lot of us had three-day weekend this week, and so we just really appreciate you being here with us. My name is Josh. If you're a guest with us, I'm so glad that that you're here with us. And and if anybody made it in this morning and didn't get a a set of sermon notes, but you'd like to follow along in that way, if you just put your hand up, one of our ushers will get you a copy of those sermon notes so you can follow along with us. And, And today we're in the midst of a series that we're calling Your Work Matters. And this morning we're going to be talking about embracing this season in your life's work. In fact, if you're taking notes, that's your first blank. Because your work matters, you need to embrace this season in your life's work. And I've got a box here with me. Uh, I think many of us have boxes like this. I pulled this out of my garage. I packed this box up back in February of 2008, and um, it's made its way from New Philadelphia, Ohio, to the Atlanta, Georgia area, now out to Southern California. But this box just has a a bunch of different stuff from uh, my work life, from my career over the last 20 years. And and so I'm going to unpack this box with you just a little bit this morning. You know, I started my, my working life a little bit younger than, than many. I, I started in high school back in 93 when I was a sophomore. I started a little business. It was a telecommunications company. I was repping services for uh, a, a regional provider uh, back. You guys remember long distance? You guys remember when there was long distance? You remember those commercials that ladies you always cried about? Uh, but anyways, um, I have here a VH, VHS tape. How many of you remember these things? Those of you who were born in the 90s or later, uh, this is what we used before DVR, before DVDs. Uh, and um, I set up a, a, one of those big old video cameras that sat on your shoulder. You know, I set up in my bedroom. I made a little infomercial on this. And so you got this zit face, Josh, uh, teeny bopper, uh, talking about why you should sign up with my company to use our services. So, so that was my first real, you know, job. I had that in high school. And then after high school, as I was getting my theological training and my pastoral training. Uh, I started a company, a, a commercial equipment finance company with a partner. I did that from 95 to 2002. Uh, and so in here I have my uh, HP 17B uh, owner's manual for my financial calculator. So glad that I don't need that anymore. Uh, but that was kind of a fun season in my work life. But then in 2002, uh, I got to really, uh, my first opportunity to, to follow the calling that I believe that God had put on my work life, which was to pastor. And, and I had completed my education and I was so excited about the opportunity. I got to be a student ministries pastor in a church in Ohio. It was actually the church where I grew up. And so I've got some stuff in here from those days. Uh, You know, we used to take our seniors on a senior trip to New York City. And so every year I'd buy a poster and then I'd have the kids sign their names. And so I had a bunch of these in my office. And and then here is a uh, a certificate of occupancy. And this was a big deal for me. Uh, In in 2004, we got a 16,000 square foot uh, commercial uh, space a facility in the middle of our, our town. It was just an outreach center for teens. And, and that was really a cool thing. We shouldn't have been able to get it. The zoning wasn't right. It was just, God really came through for us. And so I've always kept that certificate of occupancy. And, and there's just, you know, you guys all, you have a box like this? You have stuff like this? Well, uh, you know, can I just tell you, I never really planned on packing that box up. I, I really, my whole life, I thought that I was going to just be at that church and that was going to be my career. And, and I found myself in February of 2008 packing up a box and loading it into my truck. And can I just be honest with you? Now, I, I didn't get fired. It was a decision that I had made to, to, to move on from that place. But I never thought I was going to have to make that decision. And I was pretty disillusioned. Honestly, I was disillusioned personally. I was disillusioned professionally. I can remember putting this box in my truck. And I can remember being very disappointed with God. 
Because I felt like up until that point, I really felt like my work life was always going to follow this trajectory which was up and to the right. I just felt like it was just going to be this constant pattern of growth and I'd really experienced that in my life. And, And as I loaded up my box, I was just so disappointed with God. I don't know where you are in your uh, current season of your life's work, but here's what I want you to know this morning. Regardless of where you are, God has a plan for your life's work. And I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 with me. It says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And this verse is talking about the fact that God works in us so that he can work through us. Look at the verse again. We are God's handiwork. God is actively working in our lives. Why? Because we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works. God works in us so that he can work through us. I want you to realize that you will accomplish your life's work as God grows you in two specific areas. The first area is growth above the surface. Growth in your competence, in your competence. And we all know that competence is just your ability to do something successfully or efficiently. And no matter what career path you choose, no matter what your work is, if you're, if you're, if you're moving to be a doctor, an attorney, an engineer, a mother, a father, whatever, whatever your life's work encompasses, it's going to require a certain level of competence. But competence will only take you so far. And so God grows us in a second area, an area below the surface, which is our character. Our character. And what we, what we can see in Scripture is that every single person that God has ever used in a significant way, he sidelined their growth above the surface for a period of time so that he could grow them below the surface in their character. And we see this in the life of David in Psalm 78 and verse 70. Look at it with me. He said, He chose David his servant and took him from the sheep pens. From tending the sheep, he brought him to be the shepherd of his people, Jacob of Israel, his inheritance. And David shepherded them with integrity of heart and with skill hands, he led them. You see that? It was integrity of heart. It was character below the surface. It was the skillfulness of his hands. It was his competence above the surface that God used. It took both those things for David to successfully and effectively shepherd God's people as king. But you know how long it took for David to be able to do what God had called him to do? The time between when God put that desire in David's life and when God actually anointed David as king to the time where he actually got to do that work, you know how long it was? It was 15 years. There was a 15-year gap between when David felt that calling had that vision and when he was actually prepared and allowed to do that work by God. And so there's this tension there's this tension that we all experience in our life's work. And it's, it's between what we want to do, what we want God to do through us, and what God needs to do in us before we're ready for him to work through us. See, the temptation in our life, the temptation in our life is to do work disconnected from our heart. The temptation in our life is for us to do work and just stay above that surface and to do work that's disconnected from our heart. And that's a constant struggle. And to be honest with you, in February of 2008, that's where I was. I can remember preaching my final message to that church, a church, I grew up in that church. I knew a lot of people, it was a church of about 1,500 folks, so I didn't know everybody, but I knew a lot of folks. 
And I remember preaching my final message there and going up into my office and, and I'd already started packing up some of my boxes and I opened up the door and, and, and I found this little slip of paper. And, and it was actually just an eight and a half by 11 white sheet of paper that had been folded up. Just It's this exact sheet of paper. And one of my buddies, Pastor Jim Stock, had, had printed this out and slid it under my door. And it says this, and it's on your sermon notes. It says, to be nobody but yourself in a world which is doing its best night and day to make you everybody else means to fight the hardest battle which any human being can fight and never stop fighting. And Jim's one of these guys that likes poetry. And so he, was, he knows that I'm not a guy that reads poetry. And so he was quoting a, a mid-20th century poet. And he put that down. He slid it under my door because he knew that I was struggling with where I was in my life's work. He knew that it felt very mysterious to me and that was very confusing to me. And what Jim was saying is, hey, Josh, do not settle for doing work detached from your heart because God is taking you through a season where he's going to be working in you so that he can in a future season work through you. It was hard. It was confusing. It felt mysterious to me. Yeah, I had another job lined up. It was back actually at that financing company that I had started 10 years before at that point. But it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And it was, it was really detached from where I thought I was going to be. It felt mysterious to me. I didn't know what God was doing. And the, your third point here is the development of your life's work can be mysterious, but it's not altogether unpredictable. There's a pattern that you can discover in the way that God develops your life's work. And I'm going to share with you something that I've shared hundreds of times with individuals at coffee shops. You know, we'll turn a napkin over and I'll draw this thing out. And we'll just go one-on-one, tell my story, hear their story, and we'll talk about where we are. Uh, up until last night, I'd never shared this corporately. I'd never shared this from, uh, from the platform. And, and honestly, it's because there's a lot of information here. Uh, you can notice I don't have any blanks on the rest of your sermon notes. And I know blanks are like, it's, it's strategic to give blanks because you have to get your blanks. And so you listen, right? Listen, you're going to have to work with me this morning because I'm going to give you a lot of stuff. Uh, Pastor Ron Baum, he said to me last night, boy, you were talking like uh, Pastor Ron Armstrong, man. You were just going last night. I was just going, going. There's a lot of information here. But I'm just telling you, God has not released, he did not release me this week from sharing this with you because when I received this, God used a guy by the name of Dan Webster back in the fall of 2006. I was at a youth specialties conference. I was sitting in a room with about 50 other people and when Dan Webster shared this information with me, God gave me some handles that helped me to understand, helped me to identify where I was at and it really provided a framework for me to allow him to guide me. It took some of the mystery out of it for me. And so that's what I hope to do for you this morning and the rest of our time together, but it's going to take some work. Are you guys ready? Okay, now the, the last three services did much better than that. Do we need to pack up and get home, or are you guys ready? Good. Awesome. Here, let's put it up. Here we have this little diagram here, and you can see there's a solid black line right across the middle, and that's the, that's the line, the surface of our life. And you and I were that cute little stick figure there on the left, and everything above the surface line is about our competence. It's about what we do above the surface. And the goal of the first three seasons of our life's work is about, it's about being successful. It's about being effective. And don't get all spiritual on me and say, well, God doesn't want us to be successful. Baloney. 
baloney. God cares about our competence. Remember, the very first week of this series, we saw that our work is a reflection of our God who is the initiator, the creator, the worker. And then our work is a form of worship. And so God develops our competence. In those first three seasons, it's all about what we do. But then you get below the surface. And the second half of this diagram is all about depth and character. It's about who we are. And the goal here is becoming our authentic self. I know that sounds kind of self-helpish, okay? But listen, the Bible word for that is discipleship. The, the goal of this, the, the lower half below the surface, that work is about becoming a disciple, a follower of Jesus. And I love the way that Dallas Willard describes discipleship because I was a good Baptist boy growing up. And so there was this picture, a literal picture of what a disciple of Jesus looked like. And the hair was one way and the clothes were one way. And that's, God is not about making cookie cutter followers. No, God is about making individuals who are followers of him. And so Dallas Willard says that dis- discipleship is about discovering who Jesus would be if he were you. I love that. You are one of seven billion people alive on the planet created on purpose, with purpose, for a specific purpose. And so below the surface, when God takes us below the surface, it's about who we are. And so let's tackle this first season. This first season above the surface is the excitement season. And the purpose of this season is to have the energy to launch. Man, this is, this is the season when you first get that clarity. You get a glimpse of, of what God has, how God has gifted you and what you want to do with your life. And you get all excited about it. In the Lord of the Rings, this is the fellowship of the ring, right? This is when Frodo Baggins, when he understood the, the power of the ring and he understood that he could do something about it. And he's like, I'm going to destroy that ring and he signs up for it but if you know the story you're looking at and you're going Frodo don't do it gonna, do you know what's ahead of you of course he doesn't know what's ahead of you the great thing about the excitement phase is you don't know what you don't know you're just excited about it and so there's the blessing of stupidity in the excitement phase. The excitement season, it's the honeymoon season in your marriage, right? Yeah, man, all those challenges in your relationship are there. You just don't care because of how excited you are about all the new things that marriage allows you to do. And I won't go any further since there are kids in the room. But what's the lesson? In the excitement phase, you need to allow that excitement to give you the energy to launch and you need to capitalize on that energy. Because in, those honey, in that honeymoon season, you overcome challenges because of all the energy and all the excitement that you have. You come through that excitement season and you move into this next season above the surface, which is the fundamental season. And the fundamental season is about preparing for impact. Now, my oldest son, Cade, he's eight years old, and he's decided that God put him on this planet to be a professional football player. He has just found this passion. And so you know what? We've got him in football. And what does he want to do? He wants to score a what? Touchdown. And he wants to lay someone out on defense. But know what we, don't, we didn't do? We didn't put him in tackle. Why? Because he needs to develop some fundamentals right now. And plus his mom is a little worried about him. But that's the true answer. But the preacher answer is he needs to develop some fundamentals. 
He needs to develop the fundamentals. And so what's he learning right now? He's learning to catch. He's learning to pass. He's learning how to run. He's, he's learning those fundamentals. And so what do we, what do, we do when, when we're all excited? He, he's, he's like going out for a pass. They throw him the ball and he's running before he catches it, right? No, 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 buddy. Catch, then run. Catch, then run. The fundamentals. It's all about learning. It's about preparing for impact. And if you're in that fundamental stage, here's the lesson. You got to pass the small tests. You got to pass the small tests. You got to stay teachable. You got to find someone that you can follow and lean from. You need to find your own personal missy misdemeanor. Someone who's doing it and doing it and doing it well, right? That's what you need to find. And you need to get on their hip and you need to follow. Stay teachable. But the problem is when we're young and we're excited and we're passionate and we're going to change the world and we're, we're charging hell with a squirt gun, there's always some old codger in front of us who's trying to teach us the right way to do it. You know what we always want to do? We want to use our vision and our passion as an excuse for rebellion. Listen, if you're in the fundamental season, never use vision as an excuse for rebellion. It's not. <laughs> No, you are there in that season to pass the small test. And the way you follow in the fundamental season will be what qualifies you to lead in this next season. And when you come out of the fundamentals, you move into this next season, which is the responsibility season. And this is the fun season. This is the sweet spot, man. This is when you have learned just enough to be effective and people are trusting you with real difference making. You are making a contribution. If we stay with that football theme, this is like, this is when you're the starter on the varsity team in high school or college or NFL, wherever your ceiling is. For me, I plateaued in seventh grade football, but Wherever it was, wherever it was. And here's what you need to remember. Here's the lesson in the responsibility season. You gotta keep your passion hot. You gotta do the things to keep your passion hot because there are so many things that you are responsible for that if you're not careful in all you're doing and all your difference making, you will lose sight of the very vision, the very goal, the very purpose that you got excited about way back here at the beginning. And so you got to keep that passion hot. It's like we can see it again in the marriage relationship, which is a key part of our life's work. We get excited and we get all Twitter-pated and we, we go through this season and then we get into the fundamentals and we learn some basics about how to navigate life and make things work. And then we move into business and baby season. We move into the responsibility season. And there are so many different things that we have to do on a daily basis. If we're not careful, we can lose the passion that got us in the relationship at the beginning. So what do we have to do? We have to keep the passion hot. So how do you do that? Well, you, you work that triangle offense. You work, you rest, and then you play. You work, you rest, and then you play. That's so, so important in the responsibility season. The other thing that's really important, because you're effective, people are gonna keep giving you more. In the Bible, the reward for faithful stewardship is more stewardship, right? To whom much is given, much will be required. What you always have to do in this responsibility season is you have to know your A priorities from your B priorities. You remember Pastor Ron last week, he talked about knowing the three things that your boss wants from you. I'll say it a little differently this week. You need to know the three things that only you can do for your organization, and you need to keep those as your A priorities. And then because you're in that responsibility season, one of your responsibilities, one of your A priorities should always be to be bringing along some people who are in that excitement phase, some people who are in that fundamentals phase, and to be mentoring them and teaching them and making your B priorities their A priorities. And that's a great way to maximize your effectiveness in your work life, 
in that responsibility season. And forgive me while I take a, a breath. And I got to tell you, I was in the responsibility season from 2002 to 2006. Man, God was blessing. I was, in a, I was in a season in my life's work where I felt like everything I touched turned to gold. As a student ministries pastor, God exploded that youth ministry and was able to empower some young guys to come in as interns and to take a lot of responsibility. And, and we got that youth center and, and then God gave me an opportunity to become a part of the adult teaching team. And so that was something I'd never really dreamed of and God was using me there. And, and then God allowed me to begin to help our church transition in our worship style. And so I was just, I just, I mean, I just, it was like, boom, boom, it kept coming. I was more effective than I ever dreamed. I had more influence than I'd ever dreamed. And then in the summer of 2006, when I, when I was experiencing more success in my life's work than I'd ever dreamed of having, I hit a wall. And that wall is, is on your diagram there. And what that wall did is it forced me below the surface into this next season This season that I'm calling tired, bored, and disillusioned. (laughs) T-B-D. And no doubt some some of us in this room are in TBD right now. And you know, I couldn't articulate for you why I was TBD at that point in my life. I really couldn't. Here's the truth of the matter. It's important to note that TBD, this season is more emotional than it was, than it is spiritual. Okay? But I I can now, looking back on that season, there are really two primary reasons why I got to tired, bored, and disillusioned. The first was personal, and that's because in the summer of 2006, God didn't protect someone I loved the way I thought that he should protect them. He allowed some some pretty bad things to happen to someone who was very close to me. And that, that was very disillusioning for me with God. That didn't match up with who I thought God was and what I thought God owed me. And so, man, I was disillusioned with that. And then professionally, um, my, my leader at the time, he was in a season where he was struggling with leading in a courageous way. And so his leadership vacuum allowed there to be some politics that happened, some conflict within the, the team that I was on. It got so bad that one of our pastors actually jumped over his desk and tried to choke out another one of the pastors. That's crazy. And I can remember being like, okay, God, I'm doing all this stuff for you. And yet you're not doing that for me. And my coworkers at the financing company didn't act this crazy. I was tired. I was bored. And I was disillusioned. And what's the purpose in this season? The purpose is to get our attention. God allows us to get into TBD because he just very simply wants to get our attention because he has a work that he wants to do in us in this next season of our life's work. And what's the lesson? We need to remember to admit our reality. Listen, you gotta be painfully honest when you're in TBD. You gotta be painfully honest. I remember going to my boss at the time and just saying, look, man, I don't even wanna be here anymore and I don't know why. (laughs) I'm mad at you and I don't know why. I'm mad at God and I don't know why. And fortunately, he was a gracious man and allowed me to sit in TBD for a while. Depending on your boss, you might not want to be that honest. You might want to find someone else who you can be that honest with. But be painfully honest. And you need to try to identify some sacred questions when you're in tired, bored, and disillusioned. 
I didn't know why I was tired, bored, and disillusioned. It seems so obvious now looking back, but I was in it. And all I knew is that I was tired and I was bored and I was disillusioned. And I had to try to fight, figure out why. And I just had to sit there in that. There's a verse in Ecclesiastes 7, verses 3 and 4, and this is what it says. I don't think this is on your sermon notes. It's worth writing down. Solomon writes and says, The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning. Listen, you need to embrace TBD. When you get to TBD, sit in TBD. Because if you can stay there long enough to identify those sacred questions, if you can get, stay there long enough to be able to be painfully honest with yourself, you can move into the next season, which is introspection. But this is the hardest, most difficult season. Introspection, because this is the season where we answer those questions. Those questions about who our God is and those questions about who he has made us. And the purpose of introspection is to heal our hurts, to soften our heart, and to transform our character. And the lesson of introspection, the thing we gotta remember when we're in that introspection season as we approach it, listen, in introspection, you just have to do your work. There is work that you can do that no one else can do in this introspection season. No one else can do it, but you know what we always wanna do? When we get to TBD, We don't want to stay there. We don't want to answer those difficult questions. What do we want to do? We want to be excited again. And so what people do so much of the time, and it shortcuts God's plan for our life's work, is we jump from excitement to fundamentals to responsibility. We hit a wall, and we get into TBD, and then we say, oh, I need to find something to get excited about. And we skip the two most important seasons in our life's work. The part where God works in us so that he can work through us. You do it, it happens in marriages all the time. I'm excited. I'm learning how to do life with you. We've got all these responsibilities. I've lost my passion. I'm tired. I'm bored. I'm disillusioned. What do I need? I need to get excited about somebody else. We, we hijack God's work in our life if we don't do the work in the introspection season. Here's a question that I'll help you. How do I find the sacred questions? Here's how you do it. Answer this question. What illusions did I live under in the first three seasons of my life's work? What were the illusions that I was living under? You know, one of the ones that I just had to come to grips with in that season of my life, I used to think that I could do it all. (laughs) I used to think that I was awesome and that anything I wanted to do, I could do. And I had a dad that told me that. You know, honestly, the one word in my house I could never say was the word can't. If I would say can't, my dad would say, wait a minute, we don't say can't. Can't is not a word. I grew up believing that I could do anything, and that served me well. But there came a point where I had to realize, so wait a minute, I can't do everything. And that was a little disillusioning for me, because I still wanted to do everything. But the bigger illusion that I had been living under was my concept of God. You know what I discovered? I didn't discover this really until I was in Atlanta, Georgia. I moved. I, I left Ohio, and we were really, we, we, we moved there. We had, I had some business to do, but I was really just running from Ohio 
And while I was there, I realized that I had turned my God, and my God was not the God of the Bible. He was really more the Santa Claus, right? The Santa Claus that I could control with my good behavior. I really thought, I grew up a good Baptist boy, and so I knew that I could never be good enough to earn my way to heaven. But I thought that if I was good, God would have to bless me. I thought that my good behavior put God in a place where he owed me his blessings. And obedience equals blessing is a principle of scripture, but it's not a promise. Truth of the matter is, if you follow God's principles for your life, whether you're a follower of him or not, your life will be better than if you don't, because God is our creator, he has a plan. But the reality that I had to come to grips with was that God did not owe me his protection because I followed and served him. And when I realized that, can I just be honest with you? I wasn't sure if I wanted to serve him anymore. I felt like God broke our deal. And one of the things that really helped me in this introspection phase, season, was I found a sacred place. When I was in Atlanta, I used to go to some Civil War um, battlefields. I knew I wasn't going to be there long. I didn't enjoy Atlanta. And I knew I wasn't going to be there long, so I'd just go check out different places. And I found one place, the Illinois Monument. And I'd go there all the time. And you could stand at the top of the hill, and I could look out over the battlefield. I could look down the hill, and a 180-degree view, uh, 150 yards off, there was a tree line. I can remember standing there and just trying to imagine what it would have been like to be one of those Union soldiers to leaving the safety and the security of that tree line and charging the hill in the face of that musket fire, and for a cause that they believed in. And one day I finally said, okay, God, I, I'm gonna, and I walked down there and I got in the trees and I had this conversation with God and went just like this, God, I can't imagine those guys leaving the safety of these trees to charge that hill for a cause they believed in. And can I just tell you, I'm not sure that I believe in your calling in my life. I'm not sure that I believe in you or your cause enough to leave the safety of these trees and charge a hill. Honestly, God, I don't want to take a hill for you. And when I could get that honest and I could wrestle with that and when I could realize, another, another thing that I found the answer to in that season was that God, I could say those things to God and guess what? He was big enough to take it. And just like my good behavior couldn't control him, he didn't strike me dead. No, he was a father loving, listening to his son work some stuff out. And I sat in it. Can I just tell you, sit in the introspection phase, in the introspection season. I was working my tail off in commercial real estate. I was in the government sector. I was trying to pay the bills and support my family, but I was not having fun. Sit there until you find some healing, until you get some answers to those questions. And if you do, you'll come into this next season, which is the renewal season. And the purpose for the renewal season is to refocus your future. And you get some clarity about who God is. And in light of who God is, you get a renewed clarity and a renewed sense of purpose on who you are. And this renewal season, hey, you realize that you got to manage the tensions because above the surface is about ambition, but below the surface is about abiding. Above the surface is about the work that you do. Below the surface is the work that God does in and through you. Above the surface is about leading others, but below the surface is about leading yourself. And you come to understand that for the rest of your life, if you are going going to be a healthy follower of Jesus, you're going to have to manage those tensions because God's going to work in those two areas of your life simultaneously. And God brought me into a season of renewal and I got fresh clarity. I got healing for my hurts. I got a renewed perspective on who he was and who I am. And he brought me 
back up above the surface. I don't know where you are in this season of your life's work, but I hope as we went through that, you were able to identify where God has you. And I want to encourage you to embrace this season in your life's work. I invite you to go ahead and pack up. I'm going to close with a little story. My dad has been the strongest influence in my life. His name is Dick Clark. <laughs> and, um, and before I moved to Atlanta, while I was in the smack dab middle of my tired, bored, and disillusioned phase, he said, it was the week that we moved, he got me, he came and said, hey, Josh, I want to take you somewhere. And so picked me up. And he was struggling with me leaving the area. Not so much me, but me taking the grandkids, right? And um, he picked me up, and we went on a drive, and we drove 30 miles, and we landed. We stopped at the McKinley uh, Monument in Canton, Ohio. I've got a picture of it here. We parked down in the parking lot there. And he said, here, take a walk with me. And he said, Josh, when I was your age, you know the story. My dad was the number two at the largest garage door manufacturer in the world at the time. He had this, this hot, fast rise to influence and power and success. And he made one decision along with some others in his company. He was the fall guy. He lost his career. He was publicly embarrassed and he was really struggling. He was tired, bored, and disillusioned. He was contemplating. He said, Josh, I'm just telling you, I was contemplating some really foolish things at that time. He said, I got in my car and I began to drive. I landed here and I'm bringing you here because I climbed these steps and we started to walk around the monument and there's a circle that's around the monument. We walked around once, we walked around twice and then he said, I want you to stop right here. He said, because when I was your age in my early 30s, after that happened to me, I stopped right here and God, it was like God said to me, Dick, you're a third of the way around life circle. You're 30. And you didn't have this plan, but can I tell you, I'm not done with you. I have a work that I'm doing in you because I have a work that I want to do through you. And he said, at that point, I decided that no matter what, I wasn't going to settle for living a life disconnected from my heart. He said, I came back down those steps and I came home to you and my family. And I'm so glad that I did. And then we kept on walking and through tears, he, he stopped two thirds of the way around the circle and he said, can I just tell you, Josh? He said, I think I'm about right here now. And while I'm at the latter end of my life's work, I'm not gonna stop because God has got a lot that he still wants to do in me and he's got a lot that he still needs to do through me. And so I'm gonna keep on walking, but you're back there and I don't know everything that's going on in your life, but this is what I know. Your work matters too much for you to settle. So you let God work in you because he's going to work through you. Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you for the work that you do in our lives. Lord, thank you for for caring about our competence and creating us with, with personality and abilities. Thank you that your plan for us is not to, to doll those off and make us into cookie cutters. No, Lord, thank you that your plan for our life is to make us uniquely gifted so that we can do an incredible job for you. 
And I pray for the folks who are here this morning and they are in that excitement season. They are in that fundamental season. They're in that responsibility season, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity that you have for them to do work above the surface right now. God, I pray that you would leverage all of their gifts, Lord, for the sake of our community, for the sake of our homes, for the sake of our church, Lord, that you would give them incredible influence, incredible wisdom, incredible energy, that you would develop their competence for your glory. Lord, that they could have fun. Lord, I pray for those who have hit the wall, that are below the surface. God, I pray that they could know this morning that you have a plan for their life's work and right now you have them in tired, bored, and disillusioned because you are working in them so that you can work through them. God, I pray that you would give them the courage to be painfully honest honest with themselves, honest with others, honest with you, that you would help them to identify those sacred questions that they could find some sacred space and they could wrestle with you until they have a fresh understanding of who you are and who they are in light of you. And then, Lord, that you would bring them in your time into a season of renewal, that you would give them a fresh passion and a fresh focus for renewed vision for their life. Lord, thank you for the blessing that it is for me to be a part of Cornerstone Community Church. Exceeding, abundant, above all that I could ever ask, think, or imagine. I love you so much.